Hey, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise and the TV show Holliston, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkhead. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that would never ever kill the messenger my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're mainlining id7 and making our way to the top of the corporate ladder as we talk joe lynch's newest masterpiece mayhem but before we get into that gang let me remind you we're part of the phenomenally frightening phantom podcast network phantom and you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. Fuck it all up in your lynch hole. <laughs> there it is, guys. Uh, <laughs> so before the mayhem begins, uh, if you are in the Kansas City area and you are a horror fan, uh, I believe the Kansas City Horror Club has some good stuff and tidings for you. Yes, we do. A craft fair with the spooky flair. We have the Merry Axmas at the Holy Cow. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, there's going to be 20 local vendors um, all making handmade cool little Christmas gifts and stuff all horror themed and it's going to be at holy cow which is a dope venue and this episode is dropping on actually december 1st and this mm-hmm. is going to be happening when december 3rd uh that's sunday coming up so and it's free to get in uh totally family friendly um all kinds of good stuff so, what so do if you, you have get, a horror yeah, fan if you got a horror fam- fan that you haven't picked up anything for this is perfect so and it's the third time you guys have done this mm-hmm. it's always been a good time yeah. and even if you don't buy anything come it's out. still fun just to look around shop talk peruse you know and if you can't afford anything there get one of the vendors cards and get something on the online and i imagine they'll probably even maybe even do some custom pieces for exactly. you guys as well yeah. and so if you're not necessarily into the arts and farts and crafts and so forth and you are more into the films well guys uh yeah, my we got God. you covered there too holiday <laughs> horrors coming up <laughs> yeah, here it is. thank you screenland uh on december 9th you guys uh the 4k restoration screening uh Barnish. silent night Deadly night. You know what happens on Christmas, Billy? Santa comes. You are never going to see something so dirty look so clean. Right. I can't imagine ah. how this is going to play. Barnish. Because we had a chance. We actually screened this on our first Our ever. first Christmas triple feature. Yes, yeah. it was the, the closing film there. Uh, and Screenland Tapcade on the 9th, the 10th, and I believe the 13th will be screening that one. And we're going to be hosting the one on December 9th. It'll be a Saturday. So come out. Check it out. If you've never seen Silent Night, Deadly Night, this is the time to see it. Yeah. It's going to look fantastic. And then that Friday on... Bring your own antlers. Oh, God. (laughs) I'll miss Linnea. On uh, December 15th, and this is one... I'll be honest, I don't know if I've actually ever seen it all the way through. I haven't seen it all the way through. And this is one that's being uh, released throughout the nation here, and we're lucky enough to have it. That's Greenland Tapcade, December 15th, Christmas Evil. Right? Killer Santa Claus is so, out the So, yeah, wazoo. if you don't get enough Killer Santa on the 9th and the 10th, you guys, mm-hmm. then that very next week. And this is one, so again, again, a Killer Santa flick. 
a killer killer Santa flick, if you will. Yeah. One I'm really anxious to see. So come on out for that. And then the next, don't spend yourself. Yeah, don't spend unless you're planning to do another uh, quadruple, double, triple feature like we did. But, we did back in October. Right? But the then, next day, oh, John, uh, uh, December 16th, you guys, our third. Yeah. Christmas with the nerds. Yeah. Marathon. This lineup is great. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a lot. So of So we always. So this is the third third time we've done it. Um, the films that we've shown in the past. What have we screened? Uh, we've shown well the first one we've shown was long kiss good night mm-hmm. and then it better was off dead. better off dead and then it was said silent, silent night, night deadly night uh the next night was uh the first one was I, it was uh, we screened everly 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 ironically which we will enough, talk a everly, little bit more about yes and then fucking i come in peace and you go in pieces and then uh fucking santa's sleigh the one of the most hilarious Christmas horror movies, and so this year you are going to get you're going to get a kind of a non traditional Christmas action film, mm-hmm. comedy, mm-hmm. and a, and horror, a flick. horror film. Ten dollars for three mystery films, you guys, and then of course we will be taking donations yes. for Toys for Tots. Please bring some toys, bring some toys for these kids because these kids need a good Christmas, indeed. So. And we will be screening vintage trailers, commercials, the whole mm-hmm. sh- what we normally surprises, do. shenanigans. It's gonna be fun. It's always a good time, you guys. So yeah, yeah December sixteenth, Screenland Tapcade. There's so much good holiday horror. Coming I know up. it's gonna be great. Uh, a bountiful buffet of holiday goodness, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we get into the review proper, I do want to make sure that we introduce here. Uh, uh, on an episode like this, we always got to bring him in here. Uh, you can read his writing over at BoomHowdy.com. He is the co-host of the Media Rewind podcast. He is tr- a true friend of the podcast. Welcome back, guys. Dustin Pryor. Howdy, guys. What's going on? Oh, just let my tacos digest with my coffee. <laughs> Have you checked off your advent calendar yet? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> God forbid you ever hear what goes on before we start recording. I don't think we're not fit for broadcast as it is. Right, let alone <laughs> that, that truly that puts you on a list. Yes. A we're, couple of them. Dude, we're not re- we're not the not ready for primetime players. We're not ready for showtime players. <laughs> we're not ready for Skinamax at this point, unfortunately. They wouldn't have us here. Uh but we are gonna be talking Joe Lynch's mayhem. But before mm-hmm. we get into the mayhem, I kinda wanted to just kinda look at his his catalog and actually ask how did you guys what was your first kind of introduction to the works of joe lynch honestly adam green okay yeah and through adam green like adam green joe lynch and then i was like why does that name and then i went back and i'm like oh he made that one oh and that one these movies are bad so you kind of reverse engineered yeah. uh-huh what about you dustin yeah i'm the same way um it was reverse engineered but a lot of what i did is i'm not big on like you know who directed what and who wrote what you know, I, I just kind of look at the you know, the films and go, "Hey, cool!" I you like, like what you like, yeah. And and you had we had come over here and you had screened Everly for us. It was yeah, like the first time I, we saw Everly, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Holy shit, Selma Hayek with a lot of guns!" Sold, 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 sold. Yeah, sold. yeah. yeah. So and that's when I started going back and I actually started looking at some of the other films that he had done and some of the cameos and and whatnot. So yeah, in the same way, I guess I came in through him to the Adam Green and the Movie Crypt podcast because mm-hmm. I was familiar with Hatchet and Adam Green, right? And that's what turned me on to the podcast. And so I'm here to listening to this guy Joe Lynch, and I'm like, my God, he is such a he's a, such a high level fanboy mm-hmm. first and foremost. Yeah, just someone like us that appreciates good genre films, but then is you know just really focuses on the specifics, mm-hmm. and then I find out like you guys he's a director holy shit so i needed to seek it out so really the um and what's interesting especially when they people talk about like adam green and joe lynch is first and foremost they will always say they're fans turned directors and i know they kind of take offense to that because you know they always say well you don't hear of course they're fans you know obviously if you're in the the business you've got to be a fan 
But really, you know, they are our level fanboys, just in terms of the stuff they like. And I, I understand why they don't like the, that little saying. Because it's almost, it could be like a backhanded comment. Yeah, very like, much. It's I very mean, derogatory. But, yeah, yeah, but at the same, I mean. But, it, and I, I understand that, but it wasn't until I recently, I, um, here this last year, I started watching uh, NBA basketball again. So mm-hmm. and I, some of our listeners are like, basketball, they're going to tune out. But hear me out here, because I've got an analogy for you. So um, watching basketball games, and of course, uh, just like any true fan, I then go more into the game. So I start going on YouTube, and I find this really cool program called NBA Open Court. And they basically get a lot of the old stars, like people like Charles Barkley, Isaiah Thomas. They get a bunch of them around and just talking about the old days. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, participants is Chris Webber. And he's very much, he's probably going to be a future Hall of Famer. He's very much one of their peers. But he also grew up in the day when he was watching Isaiah Thomas and Michael mm-hmm. Jordan. And it's so funny because he will just geek out when certain people are on the panel and talking about like these specific games and these specific moves they did so much so that I kind of made this connection. I'm like, Holy shit. Like if you kind of think about what Joe Lynch and Adam green do, cause they get invited to the uh, master whores dinners. Yeah. So they're like talking with Joe Dante, Mick Garris. Right. And they, you know, like Toby, Tobe, who you know, all these mm-hmm. people and they Charger geek out about yeah. it and they geek out with them and they're like, Oh my God, you, and they try again, they try not to do the Chris Farley thing. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that because they're fans first, mm-hmm. but they're also amongst their peers. And so I'm watching Chris Weber just totally like nerd out with Isaiah Thomas. And I was like, holy shit, that's a Joe Lynch and an Adam Green right there. Because Chris Weber is one of their peers. He's yeah. going to go like to the oh, Hall yeah. of Fame. Uh-huh. Easily. But at the same time, he is a he's a fan first and then became a player. Yeah. Yep. And to me, he and he's on equal footing. So for me, when I saw that, I was like, to me, I think that's what people mean when they say yeah. fans turn Fan director. first turn director. And so for me, it's not a pejorative. For no. me, it's very much almost like an enduring, loving kind yeah. of term, exactly. if you will. Because if you're a fan, you already love it. I mean, yes. that's... It's I genuine. Mean, right. If you didn't listen to horror, if you weren't a fan of horror, you wouldn't be listening to this show right now. So we're, we're all, we wouldn't be talking about exactly. this if we weren't fans. So I think anything fan turned anything is always a good thing unless it's like fan turned killer <laughs> yeah. or something, you know. Well, <laughs> I think the other thing that those two guys do very well, too, is that they interject a lot of different genres into their film. Yeah, I mean, it's do. not it's not just horror. It's right. not no. just comedy. It's not just, you know, comedy in horror. I mean, they've got so many different things that are going on in their films it, it just kind of brings everybody in mm-hmm. so they yeah. basically yeah they take everything they love and they put it into the films yeah they do and you can you, and again it's genuine and that's mm-hmm. why i think that's why i like them so much first and foremost and why i continue to listen to them and continue to support them i'm not an apologist by any means you know i can be critical of the work right but i'm always yeah. going to seek it out you know yeah. based on and again I, I still listen to the movie crypt every week it's one of my favorite things i mean i don't listen to the movie crypt well far. you're not a podcast listener right. right but i'm a fan of their work and whenever like i hear a new joe lynch movie or a new adam green movie i'm like oh that's okay because they have a they have a good track record with me yeah and even the fact i'm i don't know i've never met joe lynch but I met Adam Green, and he was the nicest fucking dude. So if it basically, it's like if you're cool in my book, then whoever's cool in your book is cool in my well, book too. Yeah, I mean, and that's a lot of. At least that was the first impression that I had of Adam Green, because you really introduced me to his work through. Yeah. I, I had seen Frozen, but then you know you were like, "Hey, man, you got to watch the Hatchet series." So and we we, we married, binged, yeah, we, yeah, we binged it, yeah. the Hatchet series in two days. But when we got to meet him at Screenland. I mean, he stayed literally to shake the hand and talk every to every single, single person, person there. Yeah, because you know, and and he even said to me because I was literally the last person that yeah, talked you to. Yeah, you were. Him. 
he said, you know, you guys took the time to come see me, so why am I not going to take my time to see you guys? Yeah. And I mean, it was almost midnight when I left, so I don't know what time he got out of there. He, yeah, he got there, and he got there like four. And mm-hmm. so. Yeah, and it's like what you were saying, you know, you know, friends of friends. So, I mean, if if he considers Joe Lynch a friend, and, and they're that tight through, you know, movie crypt and what they do... You can only assume that by you know guilt by association, right. Joe Lynch has to be a pretty kick-ass guy. Well, well I mean, take, take a look at us. I mean, we're all three very different people, but yet we all kind of have similar qualities and like, well, in a roundabout way. I, mean, I was about to say I don't have any hair, so I mean, sorry. Right, we both like each other. You know, all of us, all of us, all three of us like. Well, we're... Greg and I like each other. We tolerate you. Yeah, so. that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I'm just gonna sit there, Michael. Like, Christmas time. <laughs> So ultimately, it's a roundabout way of saying we dig his work. Yes, in a long, many ways, like, like, like tangential way, we like Joe Lynch's work. And so, being you know, being familiar with the the, the podcast first, I did reverse engineer, and the first thing I did see was Wrong Turn Two. Mm-hmm. And obviously, go back to our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament for our thoughts on that for the uh, year of two thousand and six, which yeah. actually was a first round upset over the Mist, and a lot of it was due to the promise. Of Joe Lynch, you know, because Wrong Turn 2, it's one of those films. I mean, let's face it. I mean, it delivers on the promise of just being gory, gory and goofy mm-hmm. and very goofy, mm-hmm. very just almost a naughty film because there is some gnarly things that you never thought in terms of like hillbilly inbred masturbation, weird sex, <laughs> Henry. Yeah. And, and so, no, but it's uh, but the thing that really sold me on that film was the practical effects uh-huh. and obviously the love of the genre. Yeah, you, you could definitely absolutely. tell. First and foremost, it's a fun movie. Um, and I think that's, you know, ultimately when you kind of look at the behind the scenes, you can see him having fun and it's just, and it's an infectious kind of thing. And I was sold on that. Then I was like, okay, I need to seek it out. Mm-hmm. But having listened to the podcast first, then uh, the next film that he worked on was Knights of Badassum. Let me throw that one at what have you guys seen that? What are your thoughts? I thought it was great. Yeah. I loved that movie. It was hilarious and funny and like had they make poils. <laughs> Which you can't go right. Have you seen this one yet? I am gonna it? have to take that home as homework, Mr. Dedger. Okay. No. Okay, Peter Dinklage is in it. <laughs> yep. He, Sweet. He fucking kills it. It's he is he's hilarious. And it's this. right before Game of Thrones hit too, so it was just right before Dinklage became huge. It was after a, Station Agent. Mm-hmm. And so it was yeah, after I do love me some Dinklage. Yeah, and, and Dinklage plays a huge part in Now this. here's the thing though, Dustin, and I guess kind of as an omission, I still haven't seen it yet. No. And there's a reason for that. So again, having listened to the podcast and having kind of knowing the the little kind of behind the scenes things, I'm going to throw this guys out to you. I'm going to a, a, a particular film from our youth, uh, Don Coscarelli's The Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan? Yes, I am. Are you a yes. fan? Okay, <laughs> I fucking love The Beastmaster. It's one of my jams. But it's not his movie. So on the movie crypt, they had Don Coscarelli on. And they're immediately they're like, oh, my God. And they start fanboying out, mm-hmm. as you would with Don Coscarella. Like, right. fucking Beastmaster. We love that. And, and there's <laughs> <laughs> There is some. I mean, I, I saw somewhere on Facebook. Someone said, I'm watching Beastmaster for the first time. And it's definitely a Don Coscarelli flick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's really a kind of a compliment. But there's kind of like there was like an awkward pause. And they're like, and, what's, and he's like, it's not really my film. And like what? And there's like they the producers and everything kind of took it away from me. It's not really kind of my vision on it. So he's not necessarily proud of the film. It's not necessarily his. But every I mean, but how his name many is people, still attached. Yeah, and how many of us love that film? The Adventures of Dar and his little ferrets. Rip torn. God damn, he's fantastic. And there's so many horrific horror elements in there, like yeah. the, the little 
things that liquefy mm-hmm. the guy, the earworm scene. Yeah. But they were really shocked because they're like, we love this film. And he's like, yeah, it's really tough for me to hear how many people love that film when it's not really mine. But he's like, who am I to say you're not right in loving it? And so I say that because, as you were kind of referring to, mm-hmm. Joe Lynch, the cut of Knights of Badassum is not his. Apparently, the like money fell out, the producers did a lot of this and that, and the cut that went out was not his cut. So he's really not happy with it. But ultimately... I, it's a good movie. Exactly. And he f- kind of falls in that, that kind of plane, too. It's like, who am I to say you're wrong because it's not my vision and what I really wanted it to be. Right. You know, and so that's why I've kind of held out because I'm hoping amongst like hope, a maybe they we get like cut. the Joe Lynch cut eventually of that film. Well, if we haven't got the director's cut of Beastmaster yet, I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so that was, I thought was a really interesting take on that. And mm-hmm. so, then again, live, listening to the podcast, I was listening along when he was shooting Everly. So he was out in Serbia filming Everly and he would like phone in occasionally with reports. So it was really kind of cool. So I was really anxious and looking forward to that one. And that's how I was actually kind of familiar with Everly. And of course, you know, we screened that it's a new, a true Christmas classic. Right. It's oh, one yeah. of those. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every, it's in the rotation. It is. It yeah. is. And I think that was actually the first time you guys saw it was here. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. Uh-huh. You're like, you got to see this movie. It's got something. I'm like, put it on. Done. <laughs> put it on. So those of you yep, that haven't right. seen Everly, it is basically kind of a diehard-esque, uh, just kind of a bottle room. Uh-huh. Salma Hayek facing off hordes of Yakuza. Assassins. And, and uh, you want to talk about a mishmash of genres. Yeah. Holy shit. There's action. There's horror. There's samurai. There's, there's like, comedy. Yeah, lots of comedy. Fucking sigh. Yeah, there's... <laughs> There's, I think maybe that's what sold you on it, the movie when that it happened. It did, it did. And he goes, a fucking sigh? I was like, yeah, that's hilarious. Because I was thinking the same thing. Like, she's coming at him with a fucking sigh. <laughs> no, I, I've got to go ahead and amend that. You know, Salma pretty much sells it was anyway. Salma, yeah, Salma. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, even that I own a itself. copy of Banditas with her and Penelope Cruz. And Penelope Cruz. Yeah, so. That's not that bad of a movie. Come on, man. It ain't that great, but it ain't that bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put it up there for Oscar buzz. Come on, All right? Well, she elevates the films, though. Absolutely. And the fact that it is, it's Salma Hayek working mm-hmm. with Joe Lynch. Why wouldn't you be into that, right? right. Shit, and I'm even like the sadist and the masochist. When that, those yeah. characters come insane. out, right? They, came, they were straight out of the raid. It was... <laughs> <laughs> and so that movie is just a ton of fun. And yeah. it's one of those, that one actually really cemented for me... I'm Absolutely. always going to see like a Joe Lynch movie, yeah. a Joe Lynch joint, if you will, mm, yeah. the JLJ. Um, so that does actually kind of lead us then into Mayhem. Mm-hmm. And this is another one that being a fan of the podcast, he went away and filmed it and he was again sending in reports. And this one actually kind of the star power was Stephen Young. Now you guys straight off of yeah, uh, the, Walking the Walking Dead. Dead, and so Media Rewind podcast, you guys do Walking Dead recaps. Yep. Mm-hmm. So had you have, had you have heard of Mayhem before? You know anything kind of came out? Uh, me, yes, because you know, I mean, like, uh, well, movies coming out or something. I kind of like see about it. And I heard about it, especially from Adrian Torres. He was like, "You have to check out Mayhem," and I'm like, "That's that Joe Lynch with Steven." And he goes, "Yes, it's so good," and I'm like, "Okay, I'll check it out," you know, and. Finally, we checked it out. And, yeah. See, and, I, and I'm not going to fanboy out, but but I do like Stephen Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, it wasn't like he was like the like main selling. selling, selling. Right. Honestly, a Joe Lynch joint was more of a selling uh, yeah, point for me. Yeah, because I remember it was like you know Joe Lynch, okay, from the maker of Everly, and I'm like sold. No, right. You know, if if it's along that same line, that same quality, that same. I guess you would say that action humor, yeah, mm-hmm. action hybrid, humor kind of, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sold. It's super violent, super gory and gratuitous. All of his movies are, but it's done not 
necessarily over the top, but with enough fun mm-hmm. that yeah. that it it's like it's not. Oh my gosh, we're watching something we shouldn't. You know, like we're not watching Irreversible. We're exactly, just, we're you like, have to be in a certain mood. Right, to watch we're that. we're watching a fun, violent ass movie. Yeah, and I don't think that the violence in that movie was put in there just because they they ran out of other things that they could have done at the time. Oh no, no, no. That's what I liked about it. I mean, the violence that that was in the movie served a purpose. Everly or Mayhem or both. Both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those of you that aren't familiar with Mayhem, it basically it's a virus infects an, an office building. They're put on lockdown in a quarantine while everything goes out. And the virus itself, it's called ID7, and it basically frees you of mm-hmm. your id. So you basically act on all your impulses. So you know you have people, there's violence, there's sex, there's just there's sobbing and what have you. Um, but what's interesting, though, is this film came out a little bit after the Belko experiment. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people wanted to kind of lump them in together. Right. And ultimately though, they're really different. Uh-huh. Have you guys, have you guys seen the Belko experiment? I have not, had a chance I have to. not yet. Okay. And it, it plays, it it's decent. Um, it's got a really, I mean, it's got John C. McGinley in it. Right. So, you know, right, right. always going to see that. It's James Gunn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote it. Yeah. Right. And he actually, yeah, it was one of the writers on it and it plays a little bit more because it's more of a government experiment uh-huh. uh, in terms of a lot. It's very battle Royale esque. more social commentary. A little than, bit. Cause this one, the mayhem was a video game. It, yes, it was. Yeah. It mayhem truly was a felt video like a video game. game. Yeah, and so Belko experiment is more like it's, socio. I mean, not to say a James Gunn movie is going to be socio political, but right. I mean, as about as socio political as a as a James Gunn violent movie. And can that's be. the thing, because this one too, you could definitely see as kind of a comment. And honestly, I really think just in terms of again listening to the podcast and when Lynch was talking about this, he talked about before where he was basically kind of in the corporate field where mm-hmm. he was making good money, but he was miserable. And it was one of those scenarios where he was like, and you can tell with this particular film in terms of the the actual the story itself with Stephen Young's character, where he starts and where he ends. It's very much kind of a Joe Lynchian journey, if you will, in terms of just do what you want to do and be happy. So ultimately, yeah. within all the mayhem, the blood and the guts, there's this really nice, sweet, saccharine message mm-hmm. behind everything. Uh, but I kind of wanted to talk a little bit first about the cast. Yeah, uh, Stephen Young plays the main character here. He actually, let me pull up the the character name. He is uh, Derek. Basically, the young, idealistic guy that starts, and then you just see how everything weighs on him. Just kills him, just crushes him. And I thought that was hilarious, because he's all, this is me, my first day. And then, like, it opens up the elevator five years later, and he just looks like a shell of a man. It's I can tell you that, you know, speaking from personal experience, being in corporate America, or having been in corporate America, that is exactly how it happens, but it usually takes only about two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) It does not take five years. And then uh, he's basically met then with Samara Weaving, who for me is the MVP uh, playing Melanie. She is so good in this movie. She kills it in this movie. She has had a stellar. She's got a good run right year. now in genre films. Yeah, uh, I know you didn't like it, but The Babysitter was was a, was a movie she was in. She's the best thing in The yeah, Babysitter. I, I really enjoyed that movie. Have you got a chance to see Babysitter yet? Not yet, man. I, I binged The Punisher, and I kind of have to cleanse my palate of blood and gore for just a little bit. So Blasphemy. So, I'm just so John saying. Wick it is, I guess. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I was May you enough. speak ill of Mr. Wick. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not speaking ill of Mr. Wick. So I was lucky enough to see this in the theater, actually. Thank you, Screenland Tapcade. Um, and this is a film I think that actually is really rewards your rewatching, uh, just because there's so much going on. There's all kinds of shit going on. Yeah, I we caught it. We up. caught very little bit, like little snippets of like you know cues and whatnot in the background on this. It was it was pretty awesome. Because basically, yeah, the um, this ID7 virus gets 
put uh, put out into the office building. They're put on lockdown and quarantine, and they actually say, you know, you guys are going to be okay. We've got eight hours for the uh, the, the, the Vandal, antidote yeah. and everything to get to go into effect. So it's kind of cool as you've got this countdown now, and they ultimately say that you are not held accountable with your actions because of this virus mm-hmm. based on the Stephen same Young's Stephen Long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of a uh, sweet irony of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's basically at this point now, he's been fired. And he's basically trying to save his job. Uh, but Samara Weaving's fantastic. And then you have then, you basically, like you said, video game wise, you have all these characters that almost serve like... Bosses, mini bosses. Yes. Yeah. Which is great. So just kind of going down the line, we've got Dallas Roberts as the Reaper. Um, and he's... <laughs> he's so and, weird. And another Walking Dead alum. Is he? Yeah, he played the Doctor. Okay. Yeah, back in the Governor days, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's, he was weird in that, too. Yeah. And he's on uh, SVU right now. He kind mm. of is a Hannibal Lecter-esque character. Really? And he's also in My Friend Dahmer. He's his dad of in that one as well. So he's got a kind of a nice run there. He's, he's got a little rep. He's got a weirdness rep. Well, he's got that look yeah. that he's just, there's something off. Mm-hmm. And he, like he's he the could messenger. be a vampire. Yeah, he could be a vampire. Yeah. Something unworldly there. Uh, uh, Caroline Chekazy is the siren. Yeah. And she was phenomenal in there as well. I liked her character a lot. And she's the one that's definitely the backstabber, the one that actually kind of puts this all in motion Mm -hmm. in terms of his his little um, journey. Uh, You've got Stephen Brand as the boss. He's such a good asshole. He's always a good, violent asshole. Like, (laughs) just all proper and, and Andre Erickson as the bull who played the muscle, who for me was straight up a combination of Buddy Ravel and Mad Dog. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. Because he's rocking the brass knuckles. And if you notice, there's that scene when he has the chance to shoot Derek, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. And he pulls out the brass knuckles. It's almost like with Mad Dog saying this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where it's at and shit. So I love the just the, the, the kind of the variety of characters that you have. But in amidst all the chaos, is you've got all the other workers that are just imbibing their crazy impulses. Going to town on each other. Literally, in every sense There's, of the word. In even the biblical sense. Yeah, and that's what's great is because you would assume that it's just all violence. But it's not necessarily. Right. You do have people fucking in the background. I, I was about to ask you what your vices would be. If you, if you had no id, what would it be oh lord well, just basically yeah, I was gonna say, what i am right now exactly. just a little bit more just no 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 come on for the listeners you you obey a couple of the uh, social constructs if i had no social constructs yeah see wow. i'd like to think maybe i would just be a little bit louder and maybe i'd actually just put myself out a little bit more actually rather than just being no fuck it i'd still probably be in the corner but i'd just be doing awful things to myself that's probably <laughs> what would happen i wouldn't inf- i wouldn't mess with anyone else but i'd be my favorite thing in the background is there's one lady with she had post-it notes and she just kept post-it <laughs> yep. noting uh-huh. another one of the, the the employees fucking cracked me up the uh the part that cracked me up was the little um it's a not a blink and you miss it because you, you, it's an audio it's an audio oh. oh that was great. oh that was hilarious there is if you're a fan of half-baked there is a moment in there that just kills <laughs> I, I was like yeah I think I, I missed three minutes of dialogue because we were laughing. I was, I was laughing hard. It was just like, yes. It's so goddamn good there. Um, but if I would had no things, I think I need to go take some bath salts really quick. And then we can find out. You'd eat somebody's face? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I would probably just kind of be like, I wouldn't know what to do with myself, honestly. I'd probably just run around in the corner like a dog chasing his tail, just like too much excitement like what do i do first do i kill do i murder do i you know like like what do i do so i don't know you'd be fm kane all over everything everything. yeah just i I just leave a trail of just mess 
behind me. <laughs> no, and it's and, you know, it kind of plays like uh, as for many people like that fantasy scenario. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you know you are not held accountable for anything? Mm-hmm. And like you said, ultimately they just start going up. They're working their way up the ladder to the boss because ultimately he wants to try to get his job back. Yeah, which is or kill the boss or kill the boss One as it were. Two. And again, now, granted, I'm I don't have that fan. I'm pretty you know, right. Well, well, but you but know, I know a lot, lot of people exactly. that do. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people want to kill the bosses. <laughs> Um, and then what's uh, really great, and just in terms of Samara Weaving's character, is for me, number one, she's the metalhead. So you got to love that. But something that you pointed out here is her kind of main weapon is they arm themselves eventually is with a nail gun. Nail gun. And you mentioned something just in terms of... Oh, yeah. All right. So <laughs> my, my pet peeve with, with movies, because I'm a contractor, I build shit for a living, you know. And anytime a tool is brought into any movie, it's always used in an absolute absurd way. Like if they have a nail gun, it's one that has to work with an air compressor. But yet they're sitting there firing it off at everybody. Joe Lynch actually went the extra mile or the prop person went the extra mile and used a battery powered nail gun, which could actually shoot on its own, which I absolutely loved because it's just the little shit that makes me happy. It's the attention to detail exactly, that goes a long man. way in there. And speaking of attention to detail, one of the things that he, Joe Lynch actually does is kind of an Easter egg for uh, all of his films is he puts in, he has a little wicket action figure that he carries with him for all of his uh, movies. Yub, he, yub. Exactly, the yub, <laughs> yub. And he always places him in one of his films. So she, he's in there in Everly. He's in Knights of Badassum. And he's also in somewhere in... Um, in mayhem i haven't i've seen it twice now but i haven't had the chance to actually kind of go through and look for it and it's one of those just nice little easter eggs that he always throws out for people is it like super hidden or is it kind of like Son pixar of hidden bitch i'm gonna have to go home and watch everly that's just what so i was I can thinking find the same it. thing i was thinking the same thing i was like i need to see this wicked cameo because knowing greg he's not gonna tell us where it's at he's no just gonna, no no that's it. just it i don't i haven't seen them myself oh, really. okay i know have, can you confirm that they are in existence they are they okay. are it's something that he does for just probably for his own well-being that's right. totally cool that's something for the fans as well hmm. and speaking of the cast in Joe Lynch I love the fact that he does show up as the IT guy <laughs> yeah and the big Which was, part it is well and he's 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 a good actor I've always liked what you know what he does with Holliston um, even, and just the mustache god damn I don't know if that's an IT thing or what that is a what, great but that was, caterpillar that was some Nick Offerman just, just <laughs> high level shit there I think you could pull that off genius what, the if big you, yeah, one? if you ever shave the facial hair, you could do the big thick mustache. Oh nah, man, I would look too weird, man. I'd look like super stereotypical. I couldn't do. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do the big mustache. Plus, because I got a fat face, and I will. It's like who are you know. talking to? Come on, man. My head is round like a bowling ball. Dude, and you know what? I can't grow it that bushy. It kind of stays. Uh, it kind of not, not John Waters pencil thin. <laughs> yeah, like, old Hollywood, right? <laughs> not like that. But it's not. It's no Burt Reynolds mustache. Well, that's when you know I was. I was rocking the mustache for the Cannonball Run episodes we did for nerds and nostalgia and i kept it for a good two to three months and the only reason i stopped was i just got tired of having to shave everywhere else you know it was just pure laziness otherwise i would have continued to rock it you, you know, could have well no again you rock a mustache in your 20s you wear a mustache in your 40s yeah. so there, you know there's a distinct difference there uh but i kind of mentioned that it is a very personal flick and it's kind of i think it's kind of awesome that both adam green and joe lynch made because victor crowley 
we won't spoil anything, but that's a very personal movie just in terms of, you know, from why Adam Green did it. Yeah. Um, to even just a lot of the tones and, you know, what's in the film. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this film as well. Because um, I will say in terms of a negative for me, the narration, I, I understand it. You have to do it for exposition. I'm not a big fan of it, um, but I do kind of like how ultimately it's just it's telling the story. And then you ultimately you see Stephen Young's character, Derek, just with the art. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, when he's introducing the characters yeah. and shit with like the siren. The siren, she's yeah. Just got the, I like that. That was a good picture. It was. And then the actual, the actual, the last bot, again, the, the final boss fight just cracks me up because I love the fact that he kind of, the, the, the boss himself, Stephen Brand, he throws the coke in his face just to kind of power himself up. Yeah. And then he great kabukis. The yeah, coke he does. With like the blinding. I'm telling you, he, each bad guy could have been their own like Mega Man boss because they all had their unique styles and they all had like special weaponry. It was you know? so yeah. goddamn good. And even Samara, Samara Weaven, just like I said, you know, seeing this film again, even when like her delivery on so much of the shit when she's like, these shoes are comfy as fuck. Right. Yeah, her comic timing and physicality, oh, great. everything she's done in the back, just her reactions, everything is so goddamn good. She needs to do more. She's funny. She's smart. She's talented. She's pretty. So. She's she's on a roll right now. It's like you know when Micah Monroe did uh, it follows and the guest. Mm-hmm. You know, starting kind of a genre favorite. I really would like. To, I'm. She's going to be one of those actors that I'm yeah. going to follow, and so I'm really glad they were able to work together because I think she is kind of the MVP of this film. She Everyone does. Everyone is really it. good, but she. She's is stands just, out she, she stands really out in this one no there's so many good things with it there um but yeah and then the other thing that was a real surprise to me when i saw it in the theater was when the the uh, score isn't well number one also the soundtrack i do want to shout that out uh the fact that they got faith no more's motherfucker for one of the little the, the build up to the for scene main thing when they've got the psychologist on the phone and they're like okay derek talk us through it how are you feeling and, he, and he's just basically saying you know, i want to fucking i want to kill i want to fuck and you just got that great just the beat of the drums and I don't know if you've heard that song but it's it's a really good one uh, but the fact that Joe Lynch he actually directed one of Faith No More's recent music videos nice so it's just coming Kinda all the way back. there you go and even just like the um, what I really liked was actually all the mayhem and the violence was great but just even then the quiet moments like with uh, when Derek and Melanie are talking they're talking about their music and again <laughs> top three bands and she's like what's she say Motorhead DRI Early Anthrax now let me tell you, you, anyone says that shit to me, I don't care male or female, I'm they're gonna be someone I'm gonna love, you know. Mm, that's not a badass that's not that bad of a lineup either. No, so. uh, well I'm gonna say I understand not liking let new anthrax. Right. I like their new stuff now, you know, but then the fact that they go into that whole Dave Matthews thing. Yeah, yeah. That, I love that. And I guess apparently they didn't improv that, but they had some time uh, together. They were all just kind of sitting, they started talking about music and they were like they kind of got in one of those conversations, they're like, that's real. And they incorporated that within the script and then in the movie. And I think that just kind of what sells the moment, actually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, you do get the requisite sex scene, but it's not gratuitous at all. No. no. And I'm... that's what I liked because I think they could have gone that route and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Because to me, that I don't want to say it would have cheapened it, but it would have made but it, it would have cheapened it. I yeah. mean, it would have cheapened it. Yeah. And I so, mean, but if, if you're looking for nudity, there's nudity in there, too. I oh, mean, yeah. No, there, there's and, a lot of fucking. It's just the main. It's just the, it's in the main back. characters. Their fuck scene, what love scene, classy was classy, yeah. not Skinamax after dark, no. and not the room behind the beaded curtain. They, maybe we're talking about classy, I shouldn't refer to it as a fuck scene. Yeah, I was just about to say, but their love making session was classy, it was, it was. But then, uh, one of the things, then <laughs> the soundtrack is really good, and actually, I love the fact then, that they actually have then the Dave Matthews song playing, yeah. 
during their fuck scene. And, yeah. you know, after Coitus there. But the score, <laughs> the score is done by Steve Moore, who, if you're familiar with The Guest, The Cub, mm-hmm. The Mind's Eye, he does those Carpenter-esque synth scores. And immediately I was like, holy shit, this is a Steve Moore score. Which solidified it so much more for me because so I'm a this big fan. All your sweet spots. It really does. It really does. Without actually, I think, I don't want to say pandering exactly. Yeah. I don't think it does. This no. is a good. It seemed an earnest, fun film. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this one. And like I said, having a chance to see it twice, I want to see it again because of all the stuff that's going on in the background. I want to fucking see it again yeah. too. I mean, after, after seeing it the first time, I was like, oh, I kind of want to see that again here pretty soon. So no. to the nerd cave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but again, if you have the chance to see it in the theater, I'm, I'm pretty sure the run is already gone. I think it's out, but unfortunately, but it but is on video on demand. Yeah, and if it come, when it comes out on Blu-ray, make sure you check again, it out. Make it's, sure you guys are stuff. supporting exactly. it. Exactly. Don't don't torrent. Don't fucking pirate. pirate. Just That's buy fucking it. bullshit. And you know what? Stay true to the message of the movie. You know, don't waste your time doing silly shit. Do what you love, even if you know what. If you're not making the money, man, you know when you're happy. When you're happy internally. It comes out externally, you know, and absolutely. And it's an, it's like, like I said, it's a really genuine message in this film amidst all the blood, guts and mayhem. There's some genuine sweet shit in there. I mean, I, I hate to say it, man, but this film actually spoke to me. You know, Genius well, and I had a, com- a conversation earlier this week. Um, you know, it took me until I was, what, 35 to realize what I wanted to do with my life. Everybody's like, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an engineer. I'm like, I want to swing a hammer for, for a living and love it. Every single minute of it. Nice. It is. I still don't know. <laughs> shit i'm 42 shit 42 41 i'm getting there for 42 i still i still don't know i i don't honestly i don't feel like a 41 year old i still feel like i'm a 15 year old masquerading because you have a 41 year old yeah that have the combined you know iq iq of uh, probably like 12 age, but right. i'll tell you this though you know what i love doing at 41 i love podcasting i love being able to hang out with my friends yeah. talk about cool ass movies uh-huh watching cool ass movies and getting to you know what even if we don't have one person listening that's okay because i like the fact that we get to get together and talk about this exactly stuff. so if you get nothing from this movie do something you enjoy. Do something fun. It's what you need to do. So, Joe Lynch, my hat's off to you on this one. And mm-hmm. again, I will continue to follow his career. The reason why we put Wrong Turn 2 over the mist is the promise of Joe Lynch. Yeah. And with each film that he's putting out, I think we're seeing more and more of that promise. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, a Joe Lynch film is like, oh, cool, a new Joe Lynch movie. So, mm-hmm. we're going to go to it. So, yeah. make sure you guys go into that. So, I before we end here, we haven't done... Oh, yes, go ahead. we need to do this. We haven't done it in a while. A Rotten Reynolds, Reynolds recommendation. So, before we get into it, Genius, what is a Rotten Reynolds? Rotten Reynolds is this really cool old school VHS clam pack with all the cool... Uh, art that you would see back in the day but inside there's no vhs there's all these like dope stickers some trading packs little tarot cards little figurines all sorts of cool shit and we'd like to wish them a happy five year anniversary yes, five years of being rotten and honestly the founder of rotten rentals uh, casey canton he's the reason why nightmare junket actually exists yeah and uh, phantom and boom howdy if you go and... back if you go back to nerds of nostalgia our very first episode we did as the nerds of nostalgia was mm-hmm. with casey canton yeah yes it was talking about yes, panic fest and he saw something in us god knows what it was right <laughs> and he's like would you guys like to do a horror podcast <laughs> He saw the photographs that I had. That's what, <laughs> that's what he saw. Wow. Because I'm, I'm we, sorry if you had to see those, Tim. You don't want these coming out. No, not of me. Oh, like, <laughs> oh thank God. <laughs> if you don't put us on, I'm going to put these all over your wall. You ain't going to like it. So like I thought the we... Genius boudoir. My, my boudoir, boudoir yeah. Genius after dark. Like, so I thought we would stay. Turn up the Latino heat. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Burr, it is cold in here. <laughs> so I thought we would stay, though, with a Jill Lynch-inspired pick. Yes. Um, he actually, one of the first films that he actually saw in the theater was Dawn of the Dead, strangely enough. I think when he was like three, his mom brought him in there. But we're not choosing that one. Um, my choice is actually what I think is one of the great remakes from the 80s. Now, when you talk remakes of horror films in the 80s, what do you guys think of? The Thing. The yeah. thing, mm-hmm. thing. The Fly. And, and the one you're probably going to pick. The one that I am picking here is a Chuck Russell classic. Yep. It is a remake that I don't think gets enough love. Absolutely not. It is no. a great remake. It is a great movie. And it's the movie that actually made Joe Lynch want to become a filmmaker. And we are, of course, talking about The Blob. Yes. Yeah. Which, holy shit, yeah. is one of the... If you haven't seen this one in a while... It is a mean movie. It ain't your grandfather's blob. No, it ain't. It ain't. I'm trying to remember when the last time I saw the original oh, blob. Oh, man. I saw it last time I saw it, maybe about five, four or five years ago. So it's due for a rewatch. Well, and I'll tell you, we are going to be rewatching it because, not to spoil anything, yes, it's going to be one of the can- It's going to be one of the movies in our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament for 2018. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of our 1988 representatives. It's so good and so mean. So. And it's, you know, to me, it's the, uh, the special effects work by Tony Gardner is what, because that is what really sells the film. The Practical effects. It's not Kevin Dillon, Dillon's sweet mullet. That mullet, oh, that mullet deserves its own SAG card. Let me tell you. <laughs> but also, shit, Shawnee Smith. Shawnee Smith is in it. Talk about you know your genre icon, mm-hmm. and also Paul McCrane is in this one. Now, Paul McCrane, you may not know the name, you know the face. He is a Mio from RoboCop. He is Rocket Romano from ER, and I don't know if he has it in his like contract where he has to die horribly. <laughs> but spoilers here, he dies horribly. horribly. Oh my god. <laughs> You know, RoboCop, obviously, he gets it the worst. Yeah, right. Uh, ER, it's so funny. He actually, so he loses an arm to a helicopter accident, and he, you know how he dies in that? He gets crushed. Crushed by a helicopter. It's so, like... You know why? Because he was in a movie theater in Italy watching an old horror movie, and the helicopter came out of nowhere, and... You know what? Don't joke about that. I just had a bad nightmare with those Lombardo Baba <laughs> demons. Okay, man, and they were. They <laughs> did might did be, a helicopter come out of nowhere? Did Rick a James with right, it? Did Rick James kind of try and get you? But it's such like a like a like Rosemary, a, where you at, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> it's such an Acme like uh, just a Warner Brothers Looney Tunes <laughs> moment. <laughs> but in the Blob, he dies. Oh my God, just something awful. In fact, almost it, everybody it, dies awfully. What mm. I love about the Blob. And what I love, and kind of with what like Stephen King movies, is they'll kill a kid. Lots of kids. <laughs> yes. Lots of kids. And so it doesn't get enough love, but if you go to RottenReynolds.com, you can actually pick up the blob at VHS mm-hmm. clamshell, put it up and display on your, your your mantle as you will. It it but congratulations, Rotten Reynolds. Yes. Five years, man. Five it's, years of rottenness. Indeed. So keep it rotten there. So final thoughts here on Joe Lynch uh, there, uh, Dustin. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and watch Mayhem again. I know. And I, I'm going to have to eventually break down and watch Nights. You do should watch Nights. Because I mean, it's a good movie. I mean, if anything, it may not be Joe Lynch's movie, but Joe Lynch's name is still attached to it. And to me, he still has a really good track record. Damn right. So, so, how, so genius. Me the good, Dinklage. It's a, yeah, that and Dinklage. And Dinklage. <laughs> That's Indeed. what he does. He drinks and acts. And he knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, and again, um, I'm always going to be following this guy. I'm a big fan of his work. So, if you guys make sure... Uh, Listen to the the Movie Crypt podcast. It's actually, I'm a Patreon for the Movie Crypt. I donate five bucks a month to their podcast because I love what they do. Actually, and I listened to an episode when you, we were in Chicago. So yeah, yeah, on the way up to Chicago, we actually listened to their Halloween 4 commentary track with da- Daniel Harris. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Harris. And what I love about their commentary tracks and what I kind of try to do with ours is I, you don't necessarily have to be watching the film. No. 
to listen to that one. That's why I try to kind of, again, I'm not saying we, you know, cop no, their style, right. but we, you know, I love the fact that you can do that. And that's why we try to do with our commentary tracks. And plus the fact that we're tangential doesn't hurt. When no, it's... that does not. So yeah, check out our chopping mall commentary that we did recently. Speaking of tangential, that goes in all sorts of directions. But definitely support you guys, uh, Joe Lynch, Adam Green, um, you know, they're doing a lot for us. Mm-hmm. We can do a lot for them. So I guess uh, until next time, guys, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Mm